Okay, Dachian Miller here with this week's episode of Kuden Podcast, episode 165. I've got uh, James hanging out in the wings over there, lurking like he usually does. Anyway, no, <laughs> he's just nodding. <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, looks like we have some folks signing on and all that. So anyway, during this episode, we're going to take a look at this uh, admonition that Hatsumi Sensei, uh, my teacher, uh, has used over the years uh, to, uh, I don't know, um, it would seem on the on the outside, right, as a motivation to remind people to keep going, um, which is fine, right? The, the admonition is to keep going. He's used that. He's just play, uh, all those kind of things, right? But um, we're going to tie this in, right, because it is kind of a translation of a Japanese phrase that for you uh, Naruto and other anime fans may have heard quite often, uh, this phrase of gambate, right? Um, but we're going to break that down. We're going to take a look at uh, some different uh, meanings, where these kind of things fit uh, in the formality of the language, uh, bring it back to the keep going. But I really want to take a look at kind of a hidden lesson uh, within that phrase, okay? So um, we'll talk about that. We'll bring James in and uh, a lot more once we get started. So let's do that. So the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves? and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. Okay, so let's go. Got something weird. James, do you see that over on the left left side of the screen? I'm not sure uh, why that's happening or if it's something with my camera. I don't know, but uh, on my screen, I see this little weird edge over there. But anyway... Uh, maybe it'll go away. Hopefully it's not affecting anything badly. So anyway, Daishi uh, Han Miller here, and we're back with another episode of Kuden Radio, right? the podcast for serious uh, martial artists, self-defense practitioners, and people that just generally want to engage with the world uh, with a warrior mindset, right? So here we are. All right. So uh, welcome back to all of you, those of you who are uh, joining us live and um Thanks again for listening in to all of you who check in through the podcast services. I just had somebody the other day, uh, speaking of podcast services, uh, send an email or some kind of a message that uh, we're still not on iTunes. So, um, James, correct me if I'm wrong, but iTunes isn't uploading anything anymore. Uh, the stuff is still out there, but it's now known as Apple Podcasts. Yeah? So... Is it, am I right? Am I am I correct in in that? Okay, so uh, for those of you looking at looking for us on iTunes, um, from our understanding, that's not a thing anymore. I mean, it's it's there and everything that was up there. Uh, I can't speak to that because we were on iTunes and then it got shifted to Apple Podcasts. So um, if, if you're looking for us there, um, one, I don't know why. If it's still around, why we wouldn't have some kind of a thing up there. But maybe what they meant was that the new episodes are not being uploaded. But the reason for that is uh, I don't think iTunes is uploading any anything anymore. But, again, 
I, I can't speak to that. I can only speak to the fact that um, we're on Apple Podcasts, which is what, what it is these days. So, James, do you have any more clarity on that for people that might be looking for us in one place or the other? It should be. It was a while ago because they sent us an email that everything transferred over to Apple Podcasts right. for that stuff, and everything's up to date on there. Uh, I have it on my phone right here. Up to date on? Apple Podcasts. Right. Okay. So, so it's um, all on there. Yeah. iTunes. Right. iTunes is what? Yeah, I don't have anything for since they swapped over to the Apple Podcast. They, like, split it out. So iTunes doesn't even pop up or what? As far as I know, I can double check things. But uh, Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Anyway, um, every once in a while we get these things and we have to, like, rethink. But we actually have a service. We have a, a, a software service that once these things are done, and uh, I mean, James knows the technical stuff with this or whatever, but Apple Podcasts and a bunch of podcast directories, we're looking in the hundreds, right? Um I mean, I know some major ones that we click on for the service, but then they're echoed or shared through a bunch of other ones. So, I mean, like we're literally out there on hundreds of of uh, podcast services. So, um, I mean, if you if you check out the the, the uh, kind of the promotional heads up screen or the little slide that I put up. Uh, throughout the weeks, depending on, I mean, it's in different formats, right? There's wide for Twitter and uh, Facebook format and YouTube and whatnot. But there's these little uh, icons that I have on there, our logo. Um, I think Spotify was the one that took us the longest to get on, right? Um, yes. For, for, yeah. I mean, as far as major ones go, right? But Stitcher Radio, Blueberry is actually the service that we use. So it automatically goes there by default. But then um, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, all these uh, all these things, they kind of ping it or whatever, and they use it to update um, their services. So we're everywhere, right? We're everywhere you happen to be, right? And a whole bunch of places that I don't know that anybody goes. But um, anyway, so, um, yeah. So thanks for the, for the heads up or whatever. But the quickest way to know about anything is to go over to onlineninjaacademy.com forward slash is it podcast uh good end podcast all one string is that what it is it used uh, to be good end podcast episodes but i think it's good end podcast now yes yes just one string right. um and you can actually like get on the mailing list so that you get the heads up uh as a subscriber and anything else that we put out that's uh that i think is specific to uh kuden folks if you're over on facebook obviously we have the kuden podcast uh Facebook page and uh, throughout the week, I'm also posting um, other philosophy things and whatever to those. I mean, it's not, it's not super consistent, uh, but we just brought on somebody. We brought on an intern uh, at Warrior Concepts who's actually a university student uh, in the marketing department or is as a marketing major, something like that. Is that right, James? Uh, Yeah. So uh, Elizabeth is, um, just like duplicating things and checking up the the social media posts and all that kind of stuff to, so that people uh, see things way more often and, and faster and whatnot. So we're definitely growing. Uh, the other thing that uh, James and I just planned out today and we'll begin uh, kind of 
ramping that up is uh, we've got a lot of folks that are interested in online ninjutsu black belt training programs and whatnot. And there's a bunch of do-it-yourself programs out. I mean, we have one, right, which is pretty much a do-it-yourself budget course for folks who want to learn, um, but it's a piece of our uh, platinum uh, inner circle training program. Got a couple of tiers in that for people. Tiers as in T-I-E-R-S levels, not tiers as in boohoo, right? Yeah, so um, I have to be careful, right? Um, some people's spelling's atrocious as it is, but um, I want to make sure that, I mean, English is not an easy language, right? I mean, you know, so. Um, but uh, there's some folks that, that would like to dive into things like that, but I don't know, for whatever reason, right? The commitment, which is ironic considering that, you know, we're martial artists and warriors. Um, but I get it, right? Time commitments, um, uh, finances, those kind of things. So what we decided to do uh, starting today, laying things out, right, is to release or to do a live guided uh, kind of an accelerated uh uh, program, right? I mean, it can be standalone if that's what people want, but it's designed to be the introduction, just like at the academy, right? This program mirrors what we do at the academy. And in all honesty, the programs that we have, um, when I say that they're dated, what I'm talking about is the technology, right? I mean, they were shot on top of the line cameras when they were made, but, you know, people talk about them not being high quality or whatever anymore. Hey, can you upgrade things or, um, some of those folks, it's all about entertainment value, uh, quality. Other folks, uh, you know, I apologize for the quality of something when they want a program. And I say, you know, here's, here's the thing. And they go, look, man, I, I want the, I want the knowledge. I don't need it to be Hollywood, uh, production value. Some people need Hollywood production value, sound quality and all that, or their brain just gets uber distracted. Well, okay. So, but, when I say updated, what I mean is, hell, those those videos were shot. We were still at the old dojo, and I'm it's a much younger me, right? Um, but what I mean is, uh, it's the it's the same program. And when I say the lessons are the same, what I mean is foundational lessons for people to build on and whatnot. But uh, my teaching skills have changed. Uh, I'm obviously updated and whatnot. Um, but also, uh, I'm at a different place. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, during uh, tonight's class at the dojo, uh, depending on different students' levels, right? Um, I, you know, had some certain ones recite certain parts of the student creed, which is the introduction uh, kind of framework that they they need to to learn and understand. Again, these are all statements of how we live and and what we're striving for right um, it's not to be uh, thought of mentally for uh, like a lot of kid, uh, people or whatever might do i don't know at football games or in school if they even do it anymore whatever right where they do the pledge of allegiance here in the states or whatever where some people just like it just they they say it um but it's just something to say man it's just you know this is just the thing we do in our day Right. Some people do it at organizational meetings, uh, whatever. It's not that kind of thing. Right. So um, this, the uh, three part student creed that we have um, is actually based on the Mikyo uh, Sankyo uh, 
trip uh, words of uh, these, these uh, uh, words of commitment um, as, as a good way to describe them, but uh, vows is another way. But uh, they're really based on like belief, belief in self, belief in what you're studying, belief in your teachers, that kind of thing. And then other students move on to something we call vows of it, warrior uh, vows of intention. Right. So in the beginning, right, these things are a good idea. Right. I, I, I've got belief in these things. But again, we're using the term belief or faith or trust or whatever, because um, I, I'd like this to be true. Right. But at the moment, I'm just kind of starting out and we're going to see where it goes. Right. But then they stuck it out for a while and then we graduate onto these uh, vows of intention. Right. So now we've gone beyond, right, mentally. And again, this is going to be important for what we're what we're discussing tonight as a topic. We're going beyond belief, trust, faith or whatever. OK, so this stuff is starting to prove itself to me to the point where, you know what, this is important. I, I, I really want to do this. Right. So then we have these vows of intention. Right. So we go from three, three statements of trust or belief or whatever right again in self in the body of knowledge that we're studying and the teachers that are guiding me right i believe that they know what they're talking about right so we move on to vows and um the vows are instead of saying i believe in we say i intend to right and then there are these areas right and there's a lot of crossover there's a lot of crossover through all of these things right but what really changes is the mindset and the admonition, right? What we're committing to or the way we're, the depth at which we're committing, okay? So in the beginning, right, you know, just like when somebody, you know, what we're doing is having students verbalize what they really were, the, the state of or frame of mind they were in when they got involved, right? So, okay, I believe in myself. I believe that I'm, I'm valuable and worth protecting, so therefore that's why I'm engaging. I also believe in my... Uh, potential, right, to to eventually walk the talk, live live the lessons, that kind of thing, right? I believe in the whatever, okay? So then we move on, right? Vows of intention. Again, there's eight of them. Number seven is I intend to earn my black belt as a sign of my success, right? So again, these things are worded in a very specific way because if we just stop at I want to I want to be a black belt, I want to earn my black belt in ninjutsu, right? Any good teacher is going to ask you why, right? Teachers that need students, right? They need disciples. They need to feel, you know, whatever. Okay. They're not going to ask because, you know, well, of course, why would you not want to earn your black belt? Okay. But what is that black belt, right? It's a symbol of your success, right? Um, that, see, that reframes it from something that we're going to flaunt. Look what I have that you don't have or whatever to, you know, it's just it's a symbol of my success, right? Just like every successive level, but also we have to, it also begs the question, right? What's behind the black belt, right? What skills did I learn? What abilities did I uh, develop? What skills did I pick up? What, what about me has changed, right? That that black belt symbolizes or that Nidan, Sandan, uh, Hatsidan, whatever, that they symbolize, right? Um, or is it just something, you know what, I really wanted it. Somebody gave me the nod and I paid for it and I get to be, I get to feel all warm and fuzzy for another couple of months until it loses its luster and I want the next number. 
right? So uh, we can we can swap out stamp collecting for belt uh, don collecting or whatever, right? Um, but anyway, right? So we move on to this these vows of intention because now, right? Okay, this is important enough to me, right? So I want to work on these things. I want to work in, on embodying certain things. I want, uh, you know, whatever, right? So uh, number five, I I intend to study as much as I intend to study. Uh, to learn as much as possible about myself, my world, and my martial arts, right? Uh, there's just these different things, right? And then we hit a point where there's no belief. There's no intention, right? We've been doing this so long, or there's been a flip, or what we might say in Mikio as a turning in the seat of consciousness, to where um, this is no longer something that I do, it's so much a part of who I am that I can't not do it, right? So now questions might come from the outside about why, right? Why do you do this, okay? What are you all about, right, as a warrior, right? So now there are these aspects. And while there are many more than the ones that we start people off with, we start them off with five, um, now – they're statements of fact, okay? So, again, it's not about belief. It's not about something, you know, um, okay, I hope exists, right? It's not about intention anymore. We've gone beyond that, right? So number one is I train to promote life and health. I will avoid the violent treatment of others whenever possible. Now, again, these things come from our, from our Mikyo study. They come from Nimpo Mikyo, right? They come from the deep level society, uh, 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 personal development side of things that 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 are have us working on creating a life worth protecting okay and this is not an egocentric i exist therefore i should be protected okay it's about building something of value right so and again the way i was in uh initiated into this art testing was a three-phase process Right. So, yes, there was a physical demonstration of skills and my students still have to physically demonstrate skills and and um, uh, demonstrate things to a minimum standard. Right. I know that's not I, I don't even know that that's the greater percentage of things within the art today. Um, I don't care. Right. Um, but there was a physical thing. Right. Sometimes there were questions. Sometimes. Um, well, Sometimes a student was required to write something at certain points in my training. My teacher would invite me to write an article for um, the newsletter. Right. I looking back now, I believe that that was a part of him checking my understanding because not everybody who wrote an article, it, it didn't find its way into uh, the newsletter shared out to help other students. Okay. But there was a test in some form to check knowledge, understanding, whether it would be where techniques came from, the context from which it uh, was based, uh, something about the history, the art, whatever. So these things have been worked into our curriculum as well. And then the third part, which you can't scam, right? You can't you can't cram for it. You can't study. Right. It's a reflection of who you are. The third part was 
about personal success, right? Which is reflected in your life. What are you doing? Right? So, you know, there were lots of ways that this was assigned to the teacher, right? Um, you know, I, I just had a conversation with one of my long distance students um, who travels in from, uh, where does he travel in from again? Idaho? Idaho. What's that? Iowa. Iowa. God, why do I always say Idaho? Iowa, right? Yeah, so he travels in from Iowa for seminars. Um, so he does things that the majority of people tell me are not possible for them. Okay. And so while he's just starting out, right, in our program, um, the conversation we had was that uh, about a year ago, maybe a little bit longer, right? Up to that point, he would have never believed that that was possible for himself, okay, until he did it the first time. And, you know, as soon as you do something, right, there can be lots of reflections or lots of examples out in the world about uh, why it is possible for you, someone like you, someone in the same position as you, whatever, right? It's not really until we do it ourselves that something clicks, right? So that's why I'm a big fan, um, uh, something that uh, many of my teachers have said. You know, you need to get your head off of the Taj Mahal, right? Like if you don't recreate the Taj Mahal or, or have something that's that ginormous, then it's not really like uber success. But the reality is that um, the, the skill sets and, and knowledge and whatnot that, that goes into building something like that, they don't happen overnight, right? They're, they're built, right? They're, they're, they're learned and they're picked up and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, often what it takes is one small change, right? And that one small change could be, and I think I, po I think I shared like a meme on Facebook uh, today or yesterday or something like that, that sums this up, right? One small change, right? One small thing acted upon could be the, biggest, most significant turning point in your life, right? So, but what, what I was taught about with, with success was, you know, you take an inventory of past successes. And again, a lot of people have a hard time seeing them because they're not big enough because of the way they, ha the way they're pointing their telescope, microscope, whatever, right? But the reality is that, you know, you could start with something that seems absolutely insignificant to you but the majority of people can't make happen like scheduling and showing up and being on this live podcast, right? Because you decided you were going to, and you put things in motion to be able to right now. I know a lot of people aren't on the live one because they're because of time zone and scheduling and you know, life and whatever. I get that. Right. But, um, if this is you, then you're somebody who's binge listening to um, or binge watching, right, the recordings because something clicked, right? And so, you know, um, the guy I'm talking about, right, has earbuds in while he's doing electrical contracting or whatever his, his day job is on that given day, and this is what he's listening to, right? Um, James uh, currently lives, what is it again, an hour away? Yes. I'm like that, right? So, um, James, what do you do uh, on the long drive to the dojo um, most days? Most days, uh, either play one of the coaching calls or one of these past episodes. 
Yeah. So double duty, right? So instead of right. lamenting that there's no time, um, time is found, right? Um, which is what we human beings do all the time anyway, right? What we're really saying when we don't have any time is that we've prioritized other things over things that we tell other people are important. Okay. So um, not this week. We're finishing up four foundations of mindfulness this week. Next week, the folks that are going through the 37 fundamentals, the Sanjay Shichi Dobon program, uh, we're going to be diving into four right efforts, right? Four uh, ways of taking control of how we apply effort. So uh, we did one of them in one of the pre-seminars or webinars, right, for for the program, Um but we're going to dive into the whole idea of effort and prioritization and things like that as a part of looking at how to break that effort out into four uh, four aspects, right, which makes taking control of one's life um, and experience of life um, just much, much better. But um, so that's I guess that would be that we're going to do that next week. Um, but again, it's just a matter of kind of breaking things down. So, you know, um, you know, success is sometimes you just, you start with the small bricks, right? And here's, here's something one of my mentors, um, likes to, likes to talk about on a regular basis, right? Uh, he really tries to get, uh, folks that are, you know, taking advice from him and whatnot to not focus on the results, right? But to put all your attention on the traits and the activities that produce the results. Okay. This is on the mandala, right? I keep pointing over my shoulder and stuff because I've got these things hanging up around my office here. Um, but you know, there's this, and some of you guys have done this, right? Let me hold this thing up here quickly. If you if you follow different episodes, right, I've had you make a pattern like this, right? And so um, every, everybody, you know, what ego wants to do is memorize what goes in each one because if you regurgitate it back, well, then you must be you must be enlightened or whatever, right? But the reality is that this thing right here, this this part, the center part, right? I'm going to darken that out, right? You can't work on that, okay? Um, that this past week's uh, lesson for the 37 Fundamentals guys, um, we were focusing on mindfulness of mind, right? The mind itself, right? This thing that we're processing everything else with, right? The thing that, by and large, 99.8% of people take for granted, right? Because they're pointing their mind at everything else. They want to be mindful of what that guy's doing over there and whether it's right or wrong or this thing that I'm doing, is it right or wrong to get my black belt? Uh, I mean, technique wise, not is it right or wrong to get your black belt? I guess it's not about getting the black belt. It's the method you're using to get the black belt that changes things. Right. But you can't be mindful of mind without being mindful of the the contents and the processes. Right. How sane, how logical, how smooth. What What's the stream of consciousness running? Right. So you. It's the same with this, right? So what ends up happening is to work on this, you work on each of the aspects of that because each of these is a different 
section. It's a different quadrant, right? It's a different piece of the whole pie, right? And I think people miss that um, when they're they're focusing on like goal attainment or success or whatever because um, they're focusing on the end piece. But it's just like you know, uh, and, and lots of people can get black belts lots of different ways, right? But if you didn't focus on the belts, but you focused on the skills and the skill proficiency, that's, and the belts are just symbols of the attainment of knowledge, the attainment of physical skills, those kind of things, right? Um, but ego, ego focuses on the thing, right? Because that is what impresses other people or whatever, right? Uh, money comes when we're doing the activities that produce money, right? Um, it's when we don't know how, and then we get pissed at the system, and you know, then we lament because we don't have it or whatever, and then it's then it becomes easy to just knock everybody else who has it because they must be screwing everybody else over to get it, right? Instead of understanding that, look, it's my it's my goals, my plans, and my activities that produce success it produces consequences right it's karma right it's cause and effect right so we can lament shit until the cows come home so as they say right but it ultimately comes down to i'm either doing the things that naturally by universal law produce everything produces an, an effect right every cause produces an effect every effect is caused right and that's i mean that's the third noble truth in the, the the lessons that all underpin this 37 fundamental scores that the guys are going through, guys and girls are going through. Um, but here's what it comes down to. We either learn it so we can apply it, or we think it's bullshit, or we want to ignore it, or we want to shortcut things. And then, right, I mean, you're, you're always going to get results. The question is, are you getting the results you want, right? So anyway... What the hell does this have to do with tonight's theme, Sensei? Well, um, we'll talk about that in a minute, but let's just see who's on, right? Because I see numbers going up and down on the screen or whatever, but um, who's on with us tonight, James? Uh, so far, Carl has said good evening. Carl, good evening. And we're just watching a Boris Karloff, an, an old Boris Karloff movie the other night, so good evening. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... And Richard said greetings. Richard. 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 Okay. Hey, Richard. <laughs> I believe it's Demio. But I'm, not I'm sure. sorry? I believe it's Richard Demio, but I'm not sure. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Uh, but that's cool. Only two that have said anything so far. That's fine. That's fine. All right. So, um, so what does this have to do with it? Well, like I said, if you stick around with me through the episode – we're going to talk about a hidden meaning, but um, there's this there's this phrase that Hatsumi Sensei uh, used for decades now, right? Uh, keep going. And keep going, right, sounds like a motivator kind of thing, right? Um, I, I saw somebody's, uh, some, somebody's article a bunch of, uh, a long time ago. Um, they, they made a really good point that, you know, if you're having trouble in a technique, and this is, this is going on for, again, decades, um, if you're having trouble with a technique, right, uh, and you want to know, like, you know, what can I do with this thing, right? Often what you get back is this, keep going. Well, this is, like, you know, not helpful, dude, because, like, I'd like to know how to fix the problem, 
right? But the reality is that if you stick with something long enough, you will eventually get it, right? Um, there's one of the books that Hasmus Tate had collaborated with uh, Stephen Hayes with. Um, what the hell was that? I, I confuse the two now. There's Ninja Secrets from the Grandmaster, and there's Grandmaster's book. No, it's not Grandmaster's book of ninja training. That was a follow-up where there's a chapter where he's discussing things with all these other uh, Shidoshi, and um, there's a whole story behind why that book even came about, but it had to do with, like, egos flaring, basically. But Grandma, uh, the so the secrets from the Grandmaster, right? Um, the backstory behind that is uh, Stephen Hayes and his wife Rumiko were in Japan. This was years ago when I was still training with him. Uh, they were in Japan and they were having this discussion with Hatsumi Sensei and it was really kind of taking these little turns. And at one point, Hatsumi Sensei, you know, stops him and he says, well, hold on a second. And he pulls out this tape recorder. That tells you how old it was or how long ago it was, right? <laughs> so <laughs> pulls out this tape recorder and says, wait, 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 we got to get this, right? So this turned into a series of long conversations that got recorded and transcribed and edited a little bit for continuity and whatnot. So it was an easier read for um, English language speakers and whatever. Right. Um, but there's this one part in the book where um, and I, I know I've mentioned this many times because this is really important. Right. Um, because this word try, right? Well, at least you gave it a try, right? Um, that's a fucking cop-out. It really is, right? Because what most people think of as a good try, right, just gets blown out of the water with this one discussion that Hasmi Sensei is having with uh, Stephen and Rumuko. And um, he said, you know, a good try, you know, if you've been at this for 10 years and you're still not getting it, well, then you might want to consider trying something else. Right. And I know I've said it this way before, but this still blows. You know, it just blows me away. Right. Ten years. Ten years. Right. Shit. A couple of months is too long for a lot of people. Right. Because they've got this drive up window mentality or whatever you call it in, in the country where you're from. Right. Where you pull up at this fast food restaurant, you pull up to the, you know, the window where you order um, or you pay or whatever. Right. And then you pull up to the next one and you get whatever, right? If it's not fast enough like that, if it's not, you know, at your fingertips, right? Now Amazon has just ruined everybody, right? There's no, there's no delayed gratification, which, by the way, is a personal character trait of just about every successful person on the planet, right? Because they know that when everything is in place and it's right, universal justice or universal truth or universal justice says this is just it's going to happen right it's, it happens by default because the right things are in place right but you know now we can like you know search how many different stores we don't have to drive to the stores we don't have to even have to touch things to see if it's the right quality or the right feel or whatever right there's a snapshot eh, looks right okay um so much so that so many people are like throwing things or sending things back and then blaming the vendor because, well, this was smaller than I thought. It was bigger than I thought. It was whatever, right? When if you look in the description, the freaking measurements are right there, 
right? It's not their fault that either you don't read, not you, right? I'm making this as a general statement. Um, you don't read or you don't convert or whatever, right? Um, I have a friend in my life that's guilty of this all the time, constantly sending stuff back, right? Because, well, I thought it was a different material. I thought it would feel different. I thought it would – see, that's the benefit of going to a store, and it's right there in front of you. I can feel it. If necessary, I can smell it. I can, you know, whatever, right? I can gauge how close is this to what I'm looking for, right? Um, but not only can I do that, not only can I scroll through a bunch of say, you know what? I don't even have to like peruse. I can just type something into a search bar, right? And then it pops up and then I can order it. And damn it, I paid for this prime service or whatever. If it's not here in 48 hours, there's going to be hell to pay, right? So if we get geared to that because that becomes our norm, how freaking boring is life going to be? How much more dissatisfying is our experience going to be, right? You know, I mean, think about this, right? How uh, in game theory, right, or in game design, right? Um, I have a friend that's in that realm, and when they when they make games, even if it's little things, I mean, little, like, I don't know, um, word searches or whatever, right? Yeah, little, little emoji that pop up. They've got all kinds of weird kind of things that go on um, because in modern game design, there is a reward or something that motivates you forward or that there's a threat of punishment or whatever um, every eight to ten seconds, Right. How freaking boring is life compared to that? Or just if you're searching, you know, uh, or you're scrolling social media, memes pop up, videos pop up, all kinds of things, right? Seconds, right? Then there's music and whatnot. If you're watching movies or TV shows or whatever, right? There's background orchestration. There's background music, right? Any of us, doesn't work for me, but do you have, do you have uh, background music in your life? Right. That sets the mood for the emotion that's being conveyed. No. So how freaking boring is life compared to that kind of crack, which it, it really is. It fires the same centers that crack cocaine fires. So, you know, an addiction sets in and then like you just need more and more of that same thing. Right. So anyway, what the hell does this have to do with what we're talking about? Right. Well, on the surface, this keep going, right, um, seems like a motivator. It seems like uh, just this basic admonition, right? But there, there, there's a backside to it. There's a, there's, there's a lot of depth that if we're not careful and we don't get past the superficial, then we're not really getting the full scope of things, okay? Because there is an omelette, a frontal, right? an obvious side to things. But with that, there's always an Uda, right? A backside or a hidden side to it, right? That completes it, right? Light side of the moon, dark side of the moon. And I'm not getting involved in, in conversations with people that, you know, they want to talk about basic astronomy and whatnot. But, um, um, you know, we've had satellites go past these things and photograph them and whatnot. So um, it's not just a fiery disc in the sky, right? So anyway, um, so there's two sides to it, right? Because there's a complete 
there's a kind of a wholeness or a completeness, right? Just like there's an outward manifestation of you, right? Uh, you look a certain way, you're a certain height, right? Whatever, right? Um, I don't know of anybody that's ever done this exploration that has admitted to feeling like what they look like in the mirror. Right? They know what they look like. They know it's them. But if they never saw their reflection, right? There, there's something different, right? Our inner qualities, the stuff that the rest of the world doesn't get a chance to see, right? Our deepest, darkest secrets, our innermost uh, self, our heart, that kind of stuff, right? There's a, there's a whole other thing going on, right? So but life, life works this way, right? But either way, right? We want to be careful that we're not just stopping at the superficial, okay? So this keep going is often, and it's not that it's not, right? But there's a Japanese phrase, right, that uh, Naruto and anime people and whatnot, I'm sure, have heard over and over again, right? It's this, this phrase, ganbate, right? Um, it's spelled out, ganbate, which is why on this little slide that I put up, I'm going to pop it up again, right, that I put out to promote the, the episode, right? Um, at the very top in the in the heading, right, I've spelled it G-A-N-B-A-T-T-E, right? But if you go down to the middle of it, um, I that's not a misprint with the M and the N, okay? It's not a misprint, right? Um, because English speakers um, can do it both ways, Right. In Japanese, if I'm writing this out with katagana, right, I would write the syllables for G-A-N, gan, bate, okay? But linguistically, the Japanese say gan, bate, right? The N becomes an M sound because it precedes a hard consonant, the B sound, okay? So um, both are correct if you're an English speaker or your language allows for that, right? Don't worry about it. Okay. So as, as one of my teachers, uh, Mikio, likes to say, the universe is broad enough and expansive enough to hold all of the seeming uh, contradictions that we might think are existing. Okay. Because any contradiction is just something going on, but we can't see it from our perspective. Right. So it seems like it's just odd and backwards. Okay. Um, not to be confused with bullshit. Okay. Bullshit is bullshit. And perceptive contradictions uh, come about because we're missing something. Right. So anyway, um, so this is this thing. Right. So what I wanted to do was t- take some time during this episode to break down this idea of gambate. OK. Um, and look at it from its conventional approach. Right. Because while keep going is a definition that can be used what i really want to look at is what is really going on because gambate um, as a uh, it's actually based on a verb and uh, now for those of you who are not language majors i'll do my best right but a verb is an action word or an action phrase okay and japanese the japanese language is a verb centric language where a lot of Western languages are object-centric, either subject or object, right, where the subject or object is doing the action, okay, and then 
all this other modification goes on. Japanese is is different where the verb is the center, the action is the center of the communication, and everything, including the subject object, um, modify, right? So um, you're conjugating verbs. And conjugation is a shift based on context, right? So um, what I thought would be uh, cool, right, is to dive into this and look at what's really going on. And we can see that keep going is in the realm of translation, but there's a lot more going on than just this single phrase that, again, I would bet 90% or better of people take it at face value. It becomes something that they regurgitate back because it's what sensei says or whatever, right? And because ego wants to be sensei, right, then, you know, I'll be halfway there if I talk like him, speak like him. As a matter of fact, back in the 80s, one of the laughing points that a lot of us had was some of these people, they didn't just parrot the words. They imitated Hatsumi Sensei's broken English and his accent. But they were no more Japanese or had a broken accent or whatever than, you know, I could do the same thing imitating Hungarian or whatever. It's just, you know, just bullshit. I mean, it's just ego leading. But anyway... Um, so the root verb, right, for this uh, gambate is gambaru, right, uh, G-A-N-B-A-R-U, gambaru, right? Gambaru means um, one is doing their best, okay? So you could say that they're putting their best foot forward, they're trying their hardest, that kind of thing, right? Gambaru, right? To, to do to do one's best okay and again you know i'm trying to convert this into english without breaking it up too much um and then it gets conjugated based on whether i'm talking to somebody else or i'm doing it or whatever and then japanese has um, just like every language conjugates for past tense present tense and future tense but mm, there can be some confusion going on because there is past tense and there is present future tense. So you need to understand the context when you're talking to somebody, right? So we can understand past tense because of the conjugation, but present future is spoken the same way. So you have to understand, you know, so I could say, I'm, I'm trying my best or I'm doing my best or I will do my best. So for those of you who are not sure about present future tense, right, I'm doing my best now in the moment, right, or I will do my best, right. So um, often, gambate uh, is, I mean, it can be used anything for, you know, somebody, let's say you were studying to do a test, you were going to take a test tomorrow, right, in school or in online university or whatever, right. Um, so they might say, gambate, right, do your best, okay. Or... Somebody would say, you know, um, how's it going, right? Hmm. Okay. Gambarimasu. Okay. I'm doing my best. Okay. Or uh, they might say, gambate, right? Do your best, right? Because now we're talking forward, right? And I would say, right? Hmm. Gambarimasu. Okay. So I'm going to do my best, right? Of course, I'm going to try my best. So gambarimasu is the the action part of right i'm i'm doing my best unless we're we're going to modify it and talk about him or her or they or whatever 
right? Like a sports team, right? We might ch- we might shout that with a with a sports team, right? Our favorite sports team or whatever, right? Do your best, right? So the crowd might shout, "Combate, combate," you know, whatever. Okay, so we're gonna look at these and a little bit of uh, other kind of things that be, can be added to it, right? That makes something a little bit more formal or that make things a little bit more almost like putting an exclamation point in English at the end of something, right? Or uh, making it more, uh, sometimes it makes it more friendly too. It, again, uh, I'm, I'm not going to go into like Japanese language or whatever, right? But gamburu is the, uh, is the root verb, right? To do one's best. Okay. So it's not, it's not mediocre, right? We're already pointing to something that's going beyond uh let's see we did a whole episode on this good enough right here in the states we have uh, this phrase that's used by people that it's been my experience right they're either they want to get something done very very quickly or they just have piss poor work ethic right good enough for government work right which doesn't speak much to government work but um and it's been my experience that all the paperwork has to be submitted correctly otherwise shit just all falls apart so I don't know. It doesn't compute well for me. But anyway, so gambate, right? Um, this this TTE kind of thing that's added to the end of it um, points to almost an imperative statement, or um, it could be a command. Okay. So if I were going to tell somebody to uh, uh, say something, right? Like instead of saying "please say it," right? Um, I would say say it like a teacher, like, um, repeat after me or whatever. Right. Then eat day. Right. If I want somebody to listen to something right? I'm, I'm telling them, right. Listen. Okay. Then keep day. Right. So this is, this is one of those contractions where it's like a, I'm, I'm telling you to do something. Right. So gambate, right. Gambate ne. If I add ne to the end of it, right. N E N E H, however you want to spell it. Right. It's like adding an exclamation point. Okay. But it also softens um, the imperativeness of the command, right? So it makes it more friendly, okay? Gambate ne, right? So you might hear that, right? You might also hear gambate kudasai, okay? Kudasai um, kind of has a double meaning. Um, And again, they both imply please, right? But one is just kind of a, like, you know, please do this, please, you know, whatever, right? Just kind of a softening, making it more polite, right? But uh, kudasai can also be used uh, very much like um, uh, onegaishimasu, right? As a please, please assist me, please help me, right? In this context, it's just a please, right? So, gambate uh, kudasai, right? Um, uh, gambaru kudasai, Right. So please do your best, that kind of thing. Right. So it just makes it more formal, more classy. Right. You generally wouldn't uh, you generally wouldn't hear. Uh, well, you could you could hear please do it. Right. Gambate kudasai. Right. So please do your best. Right. A teacher might say that that way. Right. As they're passing out the test. OK. So. OK. Gambate kudasai. Right. Please do your best. Okay, but again, this implies, and again, I, I know in, in the Bujinkan, in Ninjutsu, in the martial arts, often we get this in the context of like keep going, hard charger, you know, whatever, right? Um, 
and it can be right. Uh, my my daughters, my two youngest daughters, uh, were in uh, acting for for quite a while, right? Um, uh, theater groups and things like that, right? So there's a common phrase in the in the theater world, right? Break a leg, okay? Doesn't mean what it sounds like it means, okay? It doesn't mean you know go out and break your leg. It's just this slang thing that means right. You're gonna do your best, and what even if it even if it hurts you, right? You're gonna push through and and best performance, whatever. I mean, you're under hot spotlights. You're under the critical eye of everything from critics to everybody that's that bought a ticket, whatever, right? So, right, go out there and break a leg, right? Do your best, that kind of thing, right? So there, there are these kind of hidden meanings too, but again, at its root. Gambate points to you, points to the person from a perspective of this is not just I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to give it my best try. Okay, it's not about trying. Okay, it implies it's it's a it's an implication and a statement of you're going to do your best. Okay, not just what's comfortable. Just not what's uh, expedient, whatever, right? What's your best, okay? Doing something as though you're signing your name to it. Because you know what? Everybody knows you did it anyway, right? So what if we did everything as though we were going to sign a name to it, okay? Not just from an ego perspective, right? I earned my black belt so that everybody sees me as, you know, ooh, you're a black belt, okay? Because that speaks to... A mentality that didn't feel like it was good enough, that something was missing. Okay? Because what if we got our belts as an aftermath for developing the skills? Okay? So you still, both people got a belt, but one person's leading with it, and the other person, it's inconsequential. It's a part of my uniform. It's so my teacher knows what level to discuss a technique with me at because there's an assumption that I should know a bunch of things below that. Okay. I remember one time I was training in Japan and um, I had somebody working next to me and I had talked to this guy because he, he's from the same state, same region right, uh, that I'm from. And when I was introduced to this person, actually, I, I think he called me. Right. And um uh, he, I can't tell you how many times in a 30 minute conversation he had to tell me that he earned a sixth degree black belt in six years. And here I was, right. Had been training for a decade or more. Right. And I, I don't know if I was a showdown or a need at that point. Right. But he had to keep leading with this thing. So anyway, we find ourselves in Japan training at the same time. And, uh, He's having this discussion with his training partner, We're working on this technique, right? He's having this, he's having a problem with this technique and they're trying to sort it out. And I leaned over and I said, it's an onikudaki that's, that you're trying to apply and it starts to fail. And then you do this next thing. And he kind of looks at me and for half a second, I heard crickets, but um, I just went back to training. And again, I leaned over and I said, it's, it's this thing, right? I was just trying to give him a, a, a reference point. I'm not trying to teach. I'm just giving you a reference point that it's this thing 
but it starts to fall apart, right? Or you don't have it exactly. And then that transitions to this next thing, right? And he goes, Oh, is that one of those like keyhole techniques, right? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I never bothered to learn those. I figure I got my six done in six years. Um, I haven't needed it up to this point. So um, there's no point, in, you know, pursuing it. And I said, oh, OK. And I do what I always do. I smile and I nod and I go back to what I'm doing. Right. So there's a reason that keyhole and fundamental techniques are what they are because they keep fucking showing up over and over and over and over again. Like they're, they're like the notes in music on a sheet of music, right? It'd be helpful in playing the damn song if you could read the notes, right? Everything is built on them, okay? Um, do you need them? Is it absolutely imperative? No, you, it, as long as, it, if you were the most insightful prodigy that's ever existed, nope, you can do whatever you want. Okay, but they're reference points, right? They just they speed up the learning process, right? If I can recognize these things, in it's like um, James knows this. A lot of my black belts know this. Um, they hit shodan, or even start to get close, and they'll be working with a technique, and I'll look over and go, um, which sanchin or pieces of sanchin are in that technique? Yes, I don't know if you guys can see the little screen down there, but James is nodding. Yes. Um, which one up bow is in there? Which footwork pattern? Uh, whatever. Right. Yes. Right. Because yeah. the more you can identify, the more you can see, you can already solve your own freaking problems and why a technique's not working. Right. Yes. Right. So um, because they're all built on the same principles, concepts, core pieces, reflections, whatever you want to call them. Right. There's a lot of the lineages that don't have what they would call Kihon or Kihon Hapo or whatever. But um, some friends of mine and I have gone through these things and we'll look at all the techniques and there are certain movements that keep showing up. So we just did this fun exercise uh, a long time ago where we sat down and just if we were going to make a scroll called the Kihon scroll or th this this list, right? What what movements keep showing up over and over and over again, right? In this lineage's techniques, right? Well, then if they keep showing up over and over again, that might be a clue that I should probably master those pieces because it doesn't just show up in this kata. It shows up all the time. It's kind of like the little interchange I had with somebody that uh, I was working in Isuk Sese's dojo, and every time he backed out into Ichimonji, not only was... Um, he not only was his naname off to where his groin was right there for a kick, but he was also in range. And finally, I just said, dude, I don't know if you know this or not, but like every time you step back into this position, um, I just I have the overwhelming drive to kick you in the nuts. And he said, well, I don't have to worry about that. that, that, that uh, there's no groin kick in this kata. No, naname is a basic principle, right? We did, I did a whole whiteboard Wednesday on this. It's just not moving at a damn angle any which way you want. There's a very specific logic to a correct naname in a given technique, right? And it's typically where all your targets are closed off, but you've opened up all of his, and you're lined up with no resistance. There's nothing in the way. He can't get at you on your way in. 
you're doing like three or four or five things with one simple movement, right? And so, again, he said, well, I don't have to worry about that. That's not in this technique. And I said, I, I couldn't help myself. I said, I said oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought you had to worry about getting, being kicked in the nuts all the time. Um, so I just kind of smiled and nodded. We finished our little interchange. And the next time, you know, it was time to get up and work with your partner, I found somebody else, right? Because I'm not going to train inauthentically, right? Um, so anyway, right? So there, again, there's a lot more to this. It, it's not just to keep going, right? It's not just a motivational kind of thing, right? Gambate is about, it's about doing your best. It's about putting your, you know, it's about just, Right. I mean, you can you can only do up to your best. Right. Um, one of the phrases that Shoshi Malmstrom used to have a problem with that we talked about in the dojo was um, coaches and teachers saying or even like gung ho people. Right. If you're not given 110 percent. Right. Um, there's no such thing. You can't give 110 percent. Whatever your peak is, is 100 percent. OK, now. Could you say that you're giving 110% compared to everybody else's 100? Okay, sure, right? But you can't give 110%. That's bullshit, right? And I think he actually he had some little gag kind of thing, right, where he he did like the the numerical value of the letters in the alphabet or whatever, right? Kind of like a, a code kind of thing, right? For um, for whatever this thing was, right? And I don't I don't know. Um, 110%, like you could spell that out with like horse shit or something like that, right? Or I don't, I can't remember exactly what the word was, but it really sunk in like, um, it's, it's just BS, right? But the giving 100%, right? This living to this gambate, this doing your best kind of thing was summed up in a training t shirt we had, right? It said, if you don't, if you're not giving 100%, you're taking up too much space. Okay. That's the kind of that's the kind of motivation we had, right? Of course, we also had a T-shirt that said, "If you die during training, we split your gear," right? And people looked at that like, Ooh, right? Fucking gear's expensive, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So anyway, um, so if you again, I'll I'll bring this uh, this uh, screen up, right? So I'm doing this mudra. Okay, there's a long name for it. It doesn't matter, right? Um, it's uh, it's one of the the mudra that's often associated with the uh, with the kuji, right? Um, and it's re it's associated with fudomyo. Now, in in the in a lot of the written text, um, the characters are pulled from a wide variety of places, right? Um, and so they're not always like the same way, right? The way I got it. The characters were pulled from the mandala. They were pulled from what I know. What, what matters more than anything else is that um, the intention and the visual, what, what, what you're using as a visualization uh, and whatnot is, is on point with the thing you're trying to generate, right? So this, uh, this mudra this way is actually one of the mudra for uh, Fudomyo, right? So what you have is a sword and you have this rope, right? This binding, right? It's, it's also the inner, inner bonds fist kind of thing, right? So you have this rope 
right? Which is, these are two of the symbols for Fudomyo, right? And then you're connecting the fire uh, power rings, right, inside. So you have the three primary symbols of the 113 that's on uh, the character Fudomyo, but you have the three primary ones, and so they, anyway. So, but without that, if I did this on the outside this way, right, this way, and I bring it together this way, right? So now we're making a doko, okay? D-O-K-O, right? A doko is one of these vajra or kongo, right? Bazara in Japanese, right? Um, that uh, most people are, are familiar with, like, the the, uh, the Tibetan forms and whatnot. Uh, do I have one close by? Yes. Still putting a bunch of stuff together, right? So we have these these Vajra, right? So this is a five pointed one, uh, and it, it represents the five uh, Buddha families and whatnot. Uh, I've got another one that my students uh, probably have seen on the teacher shelf at the front of the dojo under the kamiza. That's a nine pointed one that is related to the. So this is related to the Kongokai mandala. The nine pointed one is related to the Taizokai mandala, right? Uh, just these different things, right? But there is a single pointed version. So if we got rid of these, right, and it's it's straight up this way. Um, in Tibet, there's another form of this known as a purba, right, where the handle has this kind of thing, but you've got this. Now, often it's a tri-pointed kind of thing. But um, the doko, uh, there's, there's a lot of different versions of these things. There's one-pointed, two-pointed, three-pointed, four-pointed, five-pointed. Nine pointed, then there's cross vert, all kinds of stuff, right? But anyway, the doko, right, represents all effort, energy, thought, and intention, all pointing in a single direction, right? Uh, in English, we uh, slang we would say putting all your eggs in one basket. Okay, so, um, well, so I'd say how's this related to the sanko, right? Well, the sanko is the symbol of success as well, right? where it's about directing all of your energies onto something, okay, onto something. The doko represents your channeling everything in one direction, right? So there is no distraction. There is this thing, right? Um, at the dojo, I have a statue was the first uh gift that my Mikyo teacher reverend jikai gave me uh samantha bahajra right um in japanese fugen fugen right um it represents the uh the Mikyo student's first step on the path of the vajrayana right from the general mahayana training and samantha bahajra is making this this mudra because the commitment at that point is all effort everything gets channeled to do this right i will attain this in this lifetime okay nothing else matters okay so it is a single pointed focus okay so again it's the channeling of everything right there's no room for mediocre mediocrity right well i'm going to try to what degree? See, that's an open-ended bullshit cliche kind of thing, right? It leaves room for 
failure and an escape, right? Well, at least you get, at least you tried. Okay. I'm going to do my best. Okay. Well, what if best, what if your best isn't enough? See, now we're getting somewhere. Okay. Because most people think in terms of on and off, pass, fail. So it's a negative side effect of Western schooling. Okay. And this is where we're going to go back to the keep going. Okay. Because there's a hidden side to the keep going. Okay. If you succeed in getting, let's say, your belt level or you, let's say you succeed in learning a technique. Okay. What's next? I don't mean what technique, technique am I going to learn next? What skill am I going to learn next? I mean, what's next for this skill? See, because the philosophy that underpins all this stuff, Mikio, there is no endpoint. There is no ceiling. There is no, well, I learned the technique. Yeah. Now what? Okay. What are you going to do next? What's the next piece of this technique? What's the next plateau? Right. Trey Sensei, one of the teachers I always work with, right? He does this thing, right? He goes a little bit, a little bit, right? So incremental uh, development, stuff like that, right? You learn something, right? And, and again, we, we can't, how many times do we reference the, the quote that's circulating on the internet? Uh, one of Hatsumi Sensei's quote, right? That the technique is not the, not the lesson itself. It's not the end all to be all, right? It's merely an indicator as to where you need to begin, right? But meanwhile, people are jumping around and, and, you know, bragging and all kinds of stuff because they learned it, right? And I know this stuff's hard to hear, right? It was hard to hear for me as well, right? Um, there's a poem, uh, when Stephen Hayes first got started and stuff, he actually wrote a book of poetry. Um, when is it, um, wisdom from the ninja village of the cold moon, right? And one of those poems in there based on this philosophy was with all of this stuff, right? And I, I'm going to paraphrase, but with all this stuff, all the skills, all the techniques, all the strategies, all the tactics, right? It's amazing at how many people stop at the entrance to the path because the techniques really are the entrance, right? How deep does the rabbit hole go? So the, the keep going admonition isn't just a motivator. It's every time you think you've hit the end of something, the question should be, what's next for this one? What's what else is possible? Where can I take this? Okay. Um, as a for instance, uh, let's see. Let's say we learn shuriken throwing. Okay. Just just uh, the the kaiken or the uh, the uh, hira uh, shuriken, right? The flat star kind of things, right? So we learn shuriken throwing and we're able to hit a target, that kind of thing, right? Um, a next step would be to move, right? Do it while you're moving. Do it while you're running. Do it while you're walking. Um, I do this in the dojo, just like avoiding shuriken, right? James, how many people get thrown off when I start moving? Like they're moving, right? And it's all fine while I'm stationary and they get to be the evasive moving target, right? How many people freak out as soon as I start moving, 
right? <laughs> and now the angle that the star is going to come in on, it's still coming between me and them. Right. But the fact that I'm not throwing from the same space in the dojo completely starts to throw them off, mm-hmm. right? So just moving. Can you do it while you're moving? Can you move it? Can you do it while you're moving and the target's moving? Okay. Can you do it while you're leaping as you're moving? Can you do it while you're doing a breakfall? Okay. Um, can you do it? And here's three points that I give students as a next step as they're with the moving transition, right? Can you do it while you're entering a roll? And I don't mean throw it, then roll. I mean there is a there is a unifying movement and connection between the throwing of a shootigan, right? Going rocking out over your knee, body weight in motion as you're launching it, right? This kind of thing. Those of you on audio only, you can't see me doing this thing. But um, it's like doing a ski. It's like doing a punch, right? Knees moving, bodies moving, arms extending, that kind of thing, right? There's a there's a connection between the extension of the arm and the movement of, my, of the body to throw the shuriken and the same movement with the body and same form as you're entering a forward shoulder roll, okay? So if you tie those together, you should be able to throw the shoot again and enter a forward shoulder roll at the exact same time. So what ends up happening is the star leaves your hand as you're entering the roll, and you come out of the roll at the same time he's dealing with the shoot again. So it's a smokescreen to keep him from adjusting to you while you're rolling to close the distance. Okay? Can you throw a shoot again as you are exiting a roll and hit your target? Okay? Not exit, then throw it. Right? Because there's a timing where I'm coming out and my energy, my body and all that is unfolding. Right? And that can be used to send the star to the target because whether or not I threw it on the way in, either he or one of his friends who sees me roll can shift and be waiting for me as I'm coming out of that roll and punch or kick me or cut me or whatever as I'm exiting the roll. I need a smoke screen, right? Now, the transition before we give people that is they have to be able to throw a punch or a kick as they're exiting a roll. So the rolling energy puts the energy behind the fist or the kick, but also the extension of the arm or the leg brings you out of the roll. So there's this cool little connection, right? But either way, right, there's this connection. And then that begets the question, can you throw a shoot again and hit your target from inside of a roll? Okay. Typically, it's done with a yoko nagare, right, the sitting breakfall roll recover, or a side roll, okay, because your body's rolling and he's outside the donut run. So you're rolling laterally and he's in front of you this way. So can you do that? Now, that requires that you can roll no-handed and you've lost tension in your upper body so that your arms are free to do the throwing action with the shuriken, okay? Again, what's next? What's next? What's next? 
Okay. So the keep going is, okay. So there's another little thing that Hatsumi Sensei uh, used to use, and I, I believe it's in, it's either in the Grandmaster's Book of Ninja Training. There's a lot of duplication between those, um, and the Secrets of the Grandmaster. There's another part of this discussion, right, that that went along with the perseverance, because keep going points to the very symbol that most people wear somewhere, right, uh, as a patch or they have it on their notebook or whatever, this nin symbol, right? To persevere, to endure, to keep going, no matter what, right? So one of the discussions in this book has to do with, you know, if, you, if you're struggling to learn things, right? Just keep going. The struggle is a natural part of the process. James, was it was it in a kuden recently, or was it something else? Because again, all these lessons start to bleed together as to whether I'm giving it to the inner circle guys or I'm doing it on kuden, where we talked about the concept of failing forward. Was that a kuden? I think so. Okay, this idea of you know getting over yourself and assuming that um, you know every time you try something, you, you just you're gonna you're gonna succeed quickly. Right. The reality is, is that in any given moment, right, you're going to do your best unless you're lazy. Right. You're going to do your best. Right. But there may be a whole lot you don't know or there may be a whole lot that you overestimated or underestimated. OK. But you don't wait until all the conditions are right. You start doing something. Right. And as soon as you start doing something, you will know very quickly where you need to adjust. OK. It had to be a, it had to have been a coup den, because I was discussing the Wiley Coyote approach to, oh. to success, right? Was that right. I don't know if that sounds familiar or not, but anyway, um, this cartoon character, right? He'll do these ornate frickin' traps to catch this frickin' roadrunner, and then something goes amiss, right? It's always funny because it's just something stupid, right? Rope gets stuck, he ends up biting it or whatever, right? But what's he do? He scraps the whole damn thing. And starts all over again. The, the one big thing I've learned about, well, two big things I've learned about Wiley Coyote, right, is he's not a fucking genius because he doesn't learn from his mistakes. Because a lot of the things, it's just one little adjustment. Do it again. You should have no problem, right? And the other thing is he's ungodly wealthy because the Acme company has made a shit ton of money off of him because he keeps buying. Anyway, so whatever. Um but failing forward means that you you know, right? I mean, if, if you do it the first time and you're absolutely successful, frickin' bonus, right? Or it wasn't that big of a challenge, okay? But if I, if I throw things into, into motion, very quickly I'm going to learn what I don't know, what I thought I knew, but that needs some upgrading, or I'm going to need this resource, or it's going to need more time, or whatever, right? So I make those adjustments. I do it. I just keep at it. I make the adjustments. I keep at it, right? Eventually, all the blocks will line up, right? And I will have made it, right? But again, here, here, here are the here are the tough questions. When we're doing things. Okay. 
are we doing our best? Or are we doing the minimum that we're comfortable with, hoping that it will be the thing, it'll be enough, right? Um, and again, and we've, we've talked about this in the past, right? The way we define something creates our ceiling, creates our limitations. We just had an episode a couple of couple of episodes ago that were that discussed that, right? That our our uh, goal is our limitation, right? So, but either way, on the front side of this, gambate, gambaru, gambarimas, right? That there's an assumption that we're going to do our best. Okay, we're going to put we're going to put everything into it. Okay, but there's also this backside. Right. What on one side. Right. On one side of the dark side. What if our best isn't good enough? OK, well, if I'm doing my best. And my intention. Is single pointed. Then I'm going to figure out. Where I need the adjustment. But I'm not going to stop. OK. okay. And on the other side of it, we're not going to stop. Our, so there's two ways to stop yourself. One is to assume failure just because it didn't work out the first time. Okay. It's kind of like, you know, people that uh, end up becoming emotionally cold because they tried having a relationship. It didn't work out. So, you know, well, love sucks. I'm never going to fall in love again. Whatever. Okay. That's like saying I sat down in a chair once. It broke out from under me. So fuck it. I'm never going to sit down again. That's just stupid right um sorry dude didn't work out right everybody laughs when i point out that logic but they don't see the connection so but the other way to fail is to uh is to make it right is to make it to that goal and then just rest on your laurels to just that's right yay learn the technique right Okay, so what's next? Okay. Because, again, it, de it depends on how we're, we're defining things, right? My definition for all of my stuff has ever been, um, and the reason for even getting involved in the training was real-world application to make sure that I don't die at the hands of some freaking jack wagon or some miscreant, um, and I can't watch my kids grow up or, you know, whatever. I can't be a valuable resource or influence in the world, okay? Um, so what do I need to be doing? I don't know, right? Same thing when I go to Japan. I don't go to Japan to be patted on the head and to be given rank. I'm so freaking thankful, and I hope that nobody comes up with anything above a daishian. And, well, they can't. That's what says they retired. Yay for me, okay? That's not something I need to worry about anymore. I can fucking relax and just train, okay? But I don't spend that kind of money that time of that, and I don't expend that kind of effort and energy and whatever, right? Working things out with family, making sure the dojo is going to be okay while I'm gone, um, making sure that all this stuff is running the way it's supposed to be running and all that kind of stuff. So I can go and spend some time being a student for somebody to say, awesome, here's some more rank, right? I go to be exposed to teachers who can answer the question at least at that point in my training and that time in my training career 
that can answer the question, what's next? Okay? Because my training in and around and with people way better than me is going to expose what? Gaps, failings, misunderstandings. That's the what's next. Okay? Or here's this technique. Here's another next part to it. Holy crap. Never even thought of that, which is why I go to teachers. I don't go to a teacher to tell me that I'm right. I go to a teacher for him to tell me where I'm wrong or what I wasn't able to see up to that point. That's the point of a teacher. Okay? I had somebody on one of our videos. I think I was pointing out like a teacher job kind of thing. And his comment was, I do it myself. Because as far as I'm concerned, martial arts teachers are just overpaid people that are going to tell me things I can figure out on my own anyway. Okay. Not that you, not that somebody doesn't get good at doing what they figured out, but what they figured out how to do is a one trick pony from one perspective. What if that's not good enough in a survival situation? Well, you know, then I lose. Well, there's always another fight. <laughs> Maybe not. Okay. I train because there might not be another one. Right. There might not be a do over. Okay. But I also train to accept the fact that in any given engagement, it could be the end, which is why I don't get involved in engagements unless I have no other friggin' choice. It's just because the probability of something going wrong goes way up as soon as things go physical. Okay. So anyway, gambate, right? gambate ne, gambate kudasai, right? It's my hope for everybody. Right. So, I mean, if you're one of my personal students, then I'm going to use the gambate because it's a it's an instruction. Right. Do your best. Okay. Um, I take no responsibility if you don't do your best. That includes for my own students. Why do I do that, James? Because my job begins and ends with faithfully teaching the lessons, mm -hmm. passing on what you need to know, giving you the instructions for doing the things that need to be done. Okay, can't do it for you. And I can't and won't make you do it. Because I also believe in universal justice. You get the consequences you deserve based on the time, effort, and intention, activities and whatnot you put into any given things. Okay, that's the point of that Sanko, that three-pointed Vajra, right? That represents the thought word and deed, okay? These Vajra, one of the reasons they're two-sided is because of the yin-yang kind of approach, right? They're two-sided because there is a positive side to the lessons and there's a negative side to the lessons. So uh, my Sanko are at the dojo. So I don't have one of those to show, but if you can imagine this just being a three-pointed Vajra, right? So thought, word, and deed all channeled in, in one direction, right? So with the way most people think of things, Right, just like this gambate, right? Is there's this positive thing, positive success. Okay. But there's also such a thing as negative success. Okay. What the entire symbol represents is the reality that you are always, always successful. The question is, are you successful in a positive sense and producing the results you want to be producing? Or are you successful accidentally? 
because your thoughts, words, and actions are always producing effects. There's always consequences to everything that we do. Okay, so if I'm if I'm uh, let's say I'm not doing my best, right? I have a very vague vision of what I want, or the vision is, well, I want a black belt ninja. That speaks nothing about the kind of skill sets you want to have or the kind of problems you want to uh, be able to solve when they pop up or the depth or breadth of experience for your life that you want to have, right? That's just shit. You can go on awma.com, asianworldmartialarts.com, awma.com, centuryma.com, right, centurymartialarts.com. Or any of a number of places, pioneerinterstate.com, tigerclaw.com. Hopefully I'm giving you enough here that, you know, you can do it. I, I don't know. You can probably even buy it at amazon.com, right? Um, look up Black Belt. Click order. Pay for the shipping. Okay. See, you got one. Okay. Or find an instructor who will promote you just because you say you've been training for how many ever years and your teacher sucks and uh, is keeping it out of reach. And I'm sure you'll find somebody who will, right? I have somebody that just got his fifth on. He found somebody. Okay. I have no idea what the standards are, but okay. We're all creative enough. You can figure it out. Right. So, um, we can we can do that, right? Um, or we can put more. Okay, but it's all a decision, right? My admonition for everybody is, do your best. Okay? I prefer that over keep going. Okay, because keep going, I get it, right? If you keep going long enough, right? If you're just like back in the book, and I think I might have uh, took a took a side street, but. Um, it doesn't matter if you're, you're having problems with something, keep going, right? Keep at it long enough. You'll figure it out, right? Unless you keep doing the same shit different day over and over and over again, and you're not asking questions or whatever. But if your goal is to figure it out and figure out what you're doing wrong, as opposed to dwelling on what you're doing right, and you just keep doing that faster and harder, right? Hoping that it works because, you know, the universal law shouldn't apply to you. I mean, a lot of people that keep echoing that in my ear and, um, I just give them that look, right? So no, I don't care that you don't think that it should apply to you, right? I know that you know that things work a certain way. You're just hoping that you can get away with not having to put in the kind of time, effort, and money, and or time, effort, and, and focus, and whatever. Um, but you keep going, right? But even if things are going well, even if you got it, Right. Even if you keep, you know, you, you've, you're having your successes, you're learning your techniques, you still keep going. OK. There is no end of the path. Sorry, that's the bad news. There is no end of the path. Walking the path is the point. Walking the path is the goal. Gambate. Gambate ne. OK. If you need me to be polite, gamadai to the side. Okay? Please do your best. But please notice that when I say that, I'm not imploring you. Okay? I don't beg. 
because ultimately I have my life, you have your life. Okay. Neither of us is responsible for the other one. Okay. Yes, I know we're all in this together. I've heard the cliches. Okay. But often a lot of people that use those cliches need for other people to do a bunch of the work. See, it relieves them of their pressure and the responsibility. Which is why in the old days, you went off to the freaking mountains all by yourself. And you either survived or you didn't. Okay. I understand why human beings clustered in groups. Same reason bacteria and all kinds of other groups do. Right. Safety in numbers. I get it. Okay. But there's also abdication. There's also a level of abdication to that. Because the more you fall into the safety and numbers social construct, the more you also consciously or unconsciously give up personal responsibility intentionally or accidentally. Okay? It's absolutely possible to live within a group, but still not think the same way the rest of the group does. In Nikyo, we have this concept of the bodhisattva. Okay. The bodhisattva, uh, in the martial world, we would say warriors. Okay. In the world, but not of the world. In the same world as everybody else, in the same social construct as everybody else, but does not think or process things the same way. Because if you do, you will get the same results. Okay. So. That's what I have, right? Kambate. Keep going. Okay? But it's, see, keep going. Just be careful that it's not a cliche. Because somebody who's mediocre that keeps going is going to get mediocre again and again and again. Somebody who does their best and is constantly working on improving, the best keeps getting better. There is no ultimate best. There is only the best that you can produce at the moment. Your physical strength, there's a, there's a peak to that. Your knowledge, there's a cap to that, right? Your love is boundless. My love is not boundless. Okay? I wish the best for all. But at a certain point, someone who's destructive or someone who is just pissing things away or draining energy from me, okay, I can accept you as you are, that version of love, but you can't be in my realm anymore. Because I can't operate at my best while I have anchors that I'm dragging behind. Keep that in mind. Okay, so, well, you're still going to get your best. You're just, just going to get your best at three knots an hour or three knots instead of 12 knots or whatever. Right. So your best is as, as a product, right, of a lot of factors. But what I want everybody to see is that it's not just this motivational thing and it's not just this admonition to keep going. You'll make it right. There's a whole other side to this. Okay. That even when you think you've made it, there is another level.
You may not know what it is, but that's why we go seek out people that are, and we, we, we have to do, we have to do something that martial artists don't like doing, which is set our freaking ego and our competitive nature aside because we need to be the guy, the best, the know it all because there's this competitive thing going on. And you look around for people that are producing results that you can't produce. That's the secret behind the nine lineages. There's a reason that there aren't basics scrolls like were developed in later era with martial arts schools. Okay. Because everybody that came to the training, very few came in knowing nothing and then just kind of stuck it out and hope they didn't get freaking killed in the process. Right. Um, most had experiences in the world saw somebody that could do something they couldn't do and thought, holy shit, I need to learn that lest I face somebody like that. Right. Didn't even know that was possible, whatever. Right. So the beginner levels in these nine schools start at pretty fucking proficient. Okay. I know it's kind of hard for modern Westerners to figure out because, well, you know, I don't know anything and I want to learn something. So I'm going to go over there. Well, that's great. Okay. Just know that a lot of us have had to adjust our curriculum to allow for that. Because back when this stuff was first introduced, 99% of the people that walked in a dojo door had a shit ton of martial arts and fight experience, military, combat, law enforcement, all that kind of stuff. And so the process, the process was much like it was back in the day. Our skill sets were ninjanized. Very few people came in knowing absolute squat. And if they did, they, they had to stick it out through the learning curve because the learning curve started at the 10th floor, not at the ground floor. Then you studied with people just like Hazemisate, right? To learn from him, he was always telling you, find a Shidoshi who can teach you the basics. If you don't know them, you need to find somebody who can introduce you to the basics. Meanwhile, everybody's ego wanted to be Hatsumi-sensei. So I don't need that. I'll just go to his classes and then tell everybody in the world that I'm a student of Hatsumi-sensei. Trust me. Most of us need translators. <laughs> that's, what you, that's what your teachers are for. Anyway, all right, that's what I have. So uh, let's do this. Questions, comments, anything like that before we wrap this up? James? Oh, as a reminder, don't forget, there's still spots available for the Japan trip, right? September 18th to October 2nd. Okay. So uh, if you're not already on the list, James will uh, uh, make sure that everybody gets the, uh, the link to the information page, which now has um, the video from the, does that have, it has the video from the information session that I did with everybody? Yes. And then there's a sign up kind of thing for it and whatnot. Not that you're committing to being on the, on the trip, but you're throwing your, uh, hat in the ring, so to speak, for consideration because there are only eight spots. And right now, uh, I'm going to say two and a half are gone. We've got two people that are absolutely committed to it. And, uh, one of my guys is chomping at the bit trying to work things out. So, um, that's what we have. And those eight spots at the moment. Double checking to see if 
one of those eight spots belongs to me. Or if I have eight spots in addition to me. Because the guest house we're staying in only has so many beds. So, all right. Anyway, questions, comments? Uh, it's just Richard had a comment that Wiley can afford to buy all that stuff from Acme, but he just can't afford a meal. <laughs> There's the logic, right? And, you, you know, all those Looney Tunes cartoons, um, none of them were ever made for children. Mm. They're actually made for adults. There were these clip reels between, like, news reels at the, at the movie theater, because that's where you went to get your news outside of the radio kind of thing and um, documentaries and all that kind of that kind of stuff, right? So why is there all this violence? Kids shouldn't be exposed to this. We're made for kids. Okay. And you can actually learn a lot about history and how things uh, were going and when certain phrases were entered into, um, like the Pledge of Allegiance, right? The phrase under God, right, didn't originally exist in the pledge, okay, until coming out of World War II and then having to uh, worry about communism and stuff like that and uh, placing mm-hmm. things in place as differentiators and um, watching uh, cartoons being used to uh, to uh, inspire the purchase of war bonds, everything from war bonds to uh, getting FDR elected or reelected, uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Interesting, huh? Then and the other thing is, as he said, he needed the email about the white belt curriculum. But uh, so no worries. I think he has it already, but I dropped the email in the chat for him. And white belt curriculum. What white belt curriculum are we talking about? For the program that's coming up? No. It might. Could be. Okay. Well, I'm going to do I what I did uh, because I need uh, probably two weeks to wind this thing up to officially start it. We might not start for three weeks, um, but in the interim, I will do what I did for the 37 fundamentals course. Um, I will be doing three. I don't know if they're called webinars, but we'll be doing some online classes uh, via Zoom where a couple of lessons from the Mod 1 course we're going to be pulling out. Um, my inner circle guys, of course, as usual, right, you get grandfathered in. Um, what we're doing as a process with this is updating the the training, right? So, um, but we're going to be walking people through. So if people get involved in what we call our Mod 1 stuff, that will take you through the first three belt levels. Then you have a choice, right? You can you can jump over into the inner circle platinum stuff and just go nuts, or you can just follow along because as we get close to the end of mod one, you can uh, tack on the next module and and again it's going to be a guided kind of thing. So we're going to go through every technique, every skill, um, everything that's in those workbooks, um, vocabulary, the lessons, as if you had walked into the academy and signed up for the program. We will literally walk you step by step through every technique, every lesson um, that we're doing at that level. Okay. And we'll also, we also have a, 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 what do you call them? A bonus or an incentive or whatever for adding on uh, a training partner, because this is one of those things where, um, you know, we already have a do it yourself version. Right. It's it's the older legacy kind of stuff. Uh, but this is 
this is for folks because uh, you know reviews are included. Uh, a weekly Q and A is like what is it three three video lessons a week, uh, one technique lesson, one skill lesson that you can do solo, one academic slash philosophy personal development kind of lesson that's a part of the stuff. Um, there's a monthly review and um, you should be able to earn your three belts going through uh, mod one. Okay. And again, our stuff is laid out a little bit differently. So that'll be explained in the pre-registration uh, classes so that people aren't thrown off or whatever, because again, um, my curriculum is laid out differently than what most people uh, might be used to seeing when they see the words traditional and whatever. Um, but at the same time, uh, my students are never promoted um, based on subjective criteria. So especially when it comes to the physical skills. Okay. Except people that, I don't know, can't control themselves and need to be motivated in other ways, in which case I throw a black belt level at them and then that makes them start to shake and sweat and panic. And that's good too. <laughs> all right. Is that it? Is that all we have? Seriously? I went through all that and no questions, no comments. So either I was extremely clear or I was really, really confusing and no one knows what to ask. All right. I guess I'll take what I can get. So <laughs> all right. So We'll just round it out the same way we started, right? So until next week, okay, gambate. Get more of Kudan Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.